0: Across the airways, the podcast dedicated to giving weekly TV show episode reviews, along with news and opinions on the entertainment industry. I'm Dan Schmidt, your host. And with me as a guy who survived. his is culture with us this Lord.
1: My co-host. Hey, everybody, it's Nico, and welcome to Across the Airways. On this week's episode, we wrap up our coverage of the spring 2015 TV season as Bill and I review the season finale of Orphan Black, and Dan and I discuss the season two one-hour premiere of Star Wars Rebels. And as always, we also bring you all the TV and entertainment news of the week in the News with Nico section.
0: Yeah, let's get that News with Nico section started with a bunch of ratings records some more dc news and some news about star wars as well get some other superhero stuff so get excited for all this stuff
1: Game of Thrones finale ratings beat show's previous ratings record. Game of Thrones season 5 finale beat out this year's season premiere to become the most watched episode in the series history. Mother's Mercy was watched by an average of 8.1 million people, according to Deadline. The previous record holder, the season 5 premiere, brought in 7.99 million viewers. Deadline also notes viewership for the season finale was up 13% compared to the previous week's episode and 14% compared to season 4's finale. Previously renewed for season 6, Game of Thrones is expected to return early next year. A Song of Fire and Ice authored George R.R. R. Martin hopes to finish the Winds of Winter book, the sixth book in the series, ahead of next season's premiere. But of course, he's been saying he hopes to finish for years, so who knows if he'll actually deliver. We shall see, but I'm glad Game of Thrones is growing in popularity and continues to break its own records each year. Forrest Whitaker joins Star Wars Anthology Rogue One. Academy Award winner Forrest Whitaker has joined the cast of the upcoming Star Wars spin-off film, Star Wars Anthology Rogue One. Variety has the news, reporting that Whitaker will join a cast that currently includes Felicity Jones, Rizamad, Sam Claflin and ben mendelsohn the first in the star wars anthology series of spin-off films rogue one will follow a rogue band of resistance fighters united to steal the death star plans and bring new hope to the galaxy no word yet on what role forrest whitaker will play but i imagine it's going to be pretty awesome star wars anthology rogue one is set for release on december 16th 2016 stars greenlights neil gaiman's american gods tv series neil gaiman's t- 2001 novel american gods has long been in development on cable television first for several years at hbo before moving on to development hell over the last few years at stars well there's good news finally this week for all you long-suffering gaiman fans as stars has finally formally announced that american gods has been greenlit with production set to begin soon brian fuller the man behind the shows like hannibal pushing daisies and heroes together with michael green also from heroes will write and be showrunners on this series neil gaiman will also executive Produce, and for those of you who haven't read the novel, get on that. But American God centers around the war brewing between old and new gods, the traditional gods of biblical and mythological roots from around the world, who are now steadily losing believers to an upstart pantheon of gods reflecting society's modern love of money, technology, media, celebrity, and drugs. The lead character, Shadow Moon, is an ex con who becomes bodyguard and traveling partner to Mr. Wednesday. Mr. Wednesday is a con man who is in reality one of the older gods on a cross country mission to gather his forces in preparation to battle the new deities. Production will commence as soon as Shadow Moon is cast and in this regard, Stars is looking for a little input from the fans. The producers are asking for fans of the novel to tweet at American Gods STZ and at Stars' channel using the hashtag Hashtag Casting Shadow to share who they think should play the role of Shadow Moon on the new series. Between this news and the upcoming Sandman film from Joseph Gordon-Levitt, it's a good time to be a Neil Gaiman fan. Neil Gaiman is my favorite novelist and one of my favorite writers in general, so I am super excited to see them bring his American gods to TV, finally. Matthew Vaughn wants to make Hit Girl prequel to Kick-Ass. The disappointing box office performance of Kick-Ass 2 seemingly destroyed any chance that Mark Miller and John Romita Jr.'s creator-owned comic book would get a third movie. Kick-Ass director Matt Vaughn and Miller successfully reteamed for Kingsman the Secret Service, which was a success, but according to Vaughn, the Kick-Ass franchise isn't as dead as it appeared to be. During an online question and answer, Vaughn noted that he is, quote, not happily done with the Kick-Ass franchise. Kick-Ass is a really important film to me. I am very proud of it, and we would like to dip our toe back into it. We're working on an idea for a prequel of how did Hit-Girl and Big Daddy become Hit-Girl and Big Daddy. It's quite a fun idea that we've come up with. If we make it, that hopefully will be the sorbet for people that didn't like Kick-Ass 2, and then we can go off and make Kick-Ass 3. I think we've got to do this prequel to regain the love that we had with Kick-Ass. Although Chloe Grace Moritz' Hit-Girl would have to be recast for a prequel movie, this would open the door for Nicolas Cage to reprise his role as Big Daddy. Vaughn has previously indicated his desire to bring Moritz and Aaron Taylor-Johnson back for Kick-Ass 3, which would take place in the Far East with a new director. Vaughn is currently working on Kingsman 2 alongside Miller and the team from the first Kingsman movie. I enjoyed both Kingsman and Kick-Ass 2 so I would be on board for this and a Kick-Ass 3 sounds good to me as well. All that sounds great. Matt Smith starring in Netflix series The Crown. Netflix have announced the casting of acclaimed BBC star Matt Smith and Claire Foy from Wolf Hall alongside Mr. Henderson himself, John Lithgow, in their upcoming historical drama original series The Crown, described as a, quote, gripping decade-spanning inside story of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II and the Prime Ministers who shaped Britain's post-war destiny. The Crown is set to star Foy as Queen Elizabeth II, Smith as Philip Mountbatten, Duke of Edinburgh, and Lithgow as Sir Winston Churchill. Here's the official description for the series, quote, the crown tells the inside story of two of the most famous addresses in the world buckingham palace and 10 downing street and the intrigues love lives and machinations behind the great events that shaped the second half of the 20th century two houses two courts one crown the crown's first season will drop on netflix in 2016 that sounds awesome ratings the stanley cup tops monday night nbc's coverage of the sixth and deciding game of the stanley cup final averaged 8 million total viewers and a 2.8 demo rating up sharply from game five and easily leading monday in both measures in total audience it marked the third most watched Stanley Cup Final Game 6 on record since 1995, and versus last year's Rangers-Kings Game 5 clincher, it was up 11%. Averaging 5.5 million viewers, the Blackhawks Lightning Series was the second most watched Stanley Cup Final Series on record. Plus, since my team won it all, it was a great night of hockey for me. Penny Dreadful renewed for season three. Showtime has renewed its gothic drama Penny Dreadful for a third season. The network announced on Tuesday. The nine-episode season three will shoot on location in Dublin, Ireland, as did seasons one and two, and will debut in 2016. Penny Dreadful airs on Sundays at 10 9 Central, and will wrap its second season on July 5th. Ashton Kutcher and Danny Mastersons reunite in Netflix comedy The Ranch. Netflix is reuniting that 70 Show stars Aston Kutcher and Danny Mastersons for The Ranch, an upcoming multi-camera sitcom produced and written by Two and a Half Men co-creators Don Rio and Jim Patterson, described by line as a sibling comedy the ranch is naturally set on a colorado ranch and follows kutcher's character returning home after a brief semi-pro football career to run the family business with his brother played by masterson the ranch has already been ordered to series by netflix and will be released on the internet streaming service in two 10 episode chunks the new model differs from netflix current practice which is to release full seasons of their original television all at once like daredevil and house of cards the show marks the second multi-camera sitcom netflix has ordered after fuller house the upcoming full house sequel series masterson and kutcher are are also producing The Ranch for a planned 2016 release. I loved That 70s Show, but was not as big a fan of either of these two's follow-up projects. But I will probably still give this a go-ahead. Brian Williams not returning to NBC Nightly News anchor desk. Brian Williams' six-month suspension at NBC Nightly News is poised to become permanent, although the embattled newsman is expected to remain at the network in a new role. According to CNN, Williams and NBC have reached a tentative agreement that will keep him at the network, but not as the anchor of, of Nightly News. One scenario being banned about was has Williams heading to the struggling MSNBC because in mid February, NBC issued Williams an unpaid six month suspension from his duties as NBC Nightly News chief anchor and managing editor. At the time, NBC News president Deborah Turnis promised a continued investigation into the quote wrong and completely inappropriate misrepresentation of events that occurred while Williams was on assignment in Iraq in 2003. NBC vet Lester Holt has been holding down the Nightly News fort since Williams' departure. He is now expected to take over the gig permanently. Lester Holt is a great newsman, but I'm a Williams fan and have seen my own nightly news viewership dip significantly since his departure six months ago. Sending him to MSNBC is basically, in my opinion, a way for NBC to force him to quit so they don't have to finish paying his contract, and that is pretty disgraceful for how great of an anchor and newsman Brian Williams has been for the network over the years. But loyalty is dead in the modern workplace, and thus I'm not surprised by NBC's actions, only disappointed. We shall see how long Williams stays with MSNBC. DC announces Batman Day event in September. DC had so much success in their Batman Day event last year, they're bringing it back Saturday, September 26, 2015, in what they hope will be an annual event celebrating the Dark Knight Detective in all his incarnations, from comics to movies to video games. The celebration won't just be limited to comic book stores, but will extend to bookstores, schools, and libraries too. DC is also arranging several meet and greet with talent, including big names like Jim Lee, Grant Morrison, Scott Snyder, David Finch, Brian Azzarello, Cameron Stewart, and several more yet to be be announced the official batman day event kit will include activity sheets trivia and games and will be available for download at the link at www.dccomics.com slash batman day kit for even more information you can follow the link in the acc feed and that's the news with nico for this week
0: all right so with that we're going to bring nico's data for them to talk about the season finale of orphan black entitled history yet to be written
2: Kendall may be the key to stop Caster. The sisters appear to be thwarting their most dangerous pro.
1: Okay, Dad, so we're going to start as we do every week with what was your favorite part of this week's episode?
2: Well, my favorite part of this episode has to do with, I really liked the fact that S was getting into her protective gear and then filling the bathtub with acid and telling her mom, this is for you, mom.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think my favorite part was the Thanksgiving Day, like celebratory dinner that all the clones and family and Team Hendrix were at Bubbles having. While not as technically advanced as the dance party last year, this was the potential technical Emmy award-winning scene for this season uh, that we'd pretty much been waiting for all season. It did not disappoint and was a lot of fun. So I think, I think that was my favorite part of the episode.
2: Yeah, I liked it a lot too, so. All
1: right. This week's episode finally answered some of those major questions we've been asking. We finally saw that there was a more insidious connection between Project Lita and the seemingly almost pulp science of Neolution. We finally saw the truth of that come to life in this episode. They've always been there, guiding from inside. In so many ways, it makes sense. If self-directed evolution is the goal of Neolution, being a clone is the ultimate freedom from the natural evolutionary flow of things. By merely existing, you have disrupted the natural order of things. Sure, as a clone, you are a copy, so to speak, but that doesn't mean your life must look exactly like the one that came before you. To be something new means you can be anything. You can move past biological resemblance to something wholly your own, even when staring at an identical face in your clone. And the clones are essentially the ultimate representation of that goal, more so than the folks with tails and weird carnivalesque body modifications we saw in season one. This evolution comes from within. Though, who's to say what all that means in practice, we've got season 4 and presumably season 5 the alleged last season in Graham Mason and John Fawcett's overall plan for the full story of our Sisterhood to figure that particular mystery out but at least they're starting in the right direction and it's sure to be a dramatic exciting ride because in many ways this series has almost returned to its roots after spiraling outwards this season with the inclusion of the caster clones the series co-creators and caster clone actor Ari Millen himself have both said as much in interviews that the male clones served as a storytelling device to get answers for the sisterhood and while we're sure we've not seen the last of Mark the Prolethean or Mr. Benchman, that shadowy leader from Arlington, the military or government, who is also probably a Neolutionist himself if you think about it. By and large, the Caster line pretty much felt to have a pretty much bit of a finality to it in the season three finale episode. So dad, my question for you is now that we've returned to the beginning and the Neolutionists have revealed themselves as the big bad behind it all working within Lita, Caster and Topside, where do we think things are going for next season and possibly further down the line?
2: Wow, there's a whole lot of questions questions in that, but I think the next season will be all about getting, the next two seasons actually, will be all be about getting the sisterhood all free of outside direction and allowing them to move on with their own lives, free from outside intervention and any monitoring at all.
1: Yeah, I agree, but I also think there's going to be confrontations and outright neolutionist attempts to interfere with their lives. So absolutely.
2: Absolutely, yeah,
1: yeah. I think now that we've got answers to the question of who, as asked by Beth and Sarah's Mexican fever dream, we can finally start asking the questions why as well why were the clones made what was the driving force behind it and I think that'll be another thing that we so I think Sarah and the sisterhood will dive into that question to try and figure out what was the purpose behind it what was the ultimate driving goal what was Duncan's original goal and what did Neolutionists change that goal to be so I think those are some of the questions that'll be answered as well and now that we know that Dr. Susan Duncan is actually alive having begged her death for the Neolutionist cause burning things to the ground to make it look a certain way. The question becomes Has Rachel been a Neolutionist all along? Or will she become a convert because her mother is one and she's been given the young clone Charlotte and is now going to be her mother figure? And to that effect, what happened to Dr. Marion Bowles' character who was Charlotte's mother before?
2: Yeah, I think things in Neoland and Rachel having a child to bring up will take her away from being a bad influence on the sisterhood. And I think it'll take her away from them. But I think, and, and make her a Neolist. But I'm really not sure it'll be one. There's 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 got to be one more killer battle between the sisterhood and the nihilists for the ultimate freedom that they, they look to get.
1: Yeah, and I think Rachel will probably get dragged into that for sure. Because yeah. we got to have Sarah and Rachel go at it one more time. Right. The question of whether Rachel's been a neolutionist all along, probably not in name, but perhaps subconsciously in some of her practices, she definitely has been. I think part of that is her upbringing with her mother and her mother's views on it probably seeped into her as well. Dr. Nealon has clearly had a large effect on her as well, as did Dr. Leakey before that, and they were both neolutionists. Now, back in the hands of her mother with a baby clone Charlotte proclaiming New-Eyed Captive her mama fig- to be again, what happened to Marion Bolles' character? We just don't know. She was going to be, Ra- or she was Charlotte's mother. Now it's Rachel. So I-, I think Rachel's new circumstances are going to probably lead her down the path to becoming a full-on, full-born Neolutionist as well. And with so much positivity brought to her by the Neolutionists, getting the baby she's always wanted, or well, the child she's already w- always wanted, I'm sure she'll have a. She'll be a quick convert to the ways of this almost dangerous science cult. After all, she's always looked out for herself above all else even when she could have so easily worked with sarah and the rest of the sisterhood this season this was not her goal she wanted something for herself and so i think the neolutionists are going to give her that opportunity and that's why i think she's going to convert to it like i said i think maybe underlying she had some of the same beliefs but i don't think she was a full-blown neolutionist and she won't be until next season now there are still many mysteries that remain unsolved sarah and helena's fertility chief among them we don't know why they're immune or and or without the genetic defect that wreaked havoc this past season on so many other people? Was it because they were left outside the experiments and were not, quote, polluted by the Neolutionists? And we also have not a clue as to what the Neolutionist endgame really is. Why clones? As I mentioned before, we may actually figure out why clones, why now? And then when Dr. Nealon made his creepy claim before the worm part, which we'll get to in a moment, that the science was beyond what we think it is. What did he mean with that? And to what ends, essentially?
2: Wow. And and, you know, I... I don't really have any good answers to these really great questions. But, you know, the science, there, there's got to be some overarching scientific reason that they're moving in this direction. And, and while we're at it, what is it with this new eye? What What is the bionic eye thing? I You know, is that something that's going to be able to, to find clones? Who knows?
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely part of the neolutionist idea of body modification and advancing uh, through self-propelled evolution. By giving her a bionic eye, it's just going along with those ideas. at least in my mind and as Kendall Malone revealed to Sarah and S Duncan believed the Neolutionists polluted everything and poisoned the science two very vague statements that could literally mean anything both metaphorically and literally and since they have Charlotte and as Rachel and the Neolutionists have Charlotte it's clear the need for the Island of Dr. Moreau book was not to revive the cloning program itself like we had thought obviously they already know how to do that but another unknown need entirely is probably behind them needing that code something in the biology of the clones must have been altered to perhaps speed up the evolutionary process in a way that makes it almost self-directed whereas charlotte is growing at a much slower rate you also need only to look at the mysterious healing abilities of kira to see that there may be something to all of this that Whatever they did to Sarah was then passed along to the next generation in Kira and maybe whatever they did in Charlotte is left her sterile as well. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing and, and something that they're looking for to crack the code for why Sarah is different.
2: And what about the healing power of Crystal?
1: Well, what do you mean?
2: She's got a unique healing power, doesn't she? Or well,
1: she... she said that she does. We we don't we haven't seen it, and we don't know what she meant by that. But yeah, there is that as well. And I now that Delphine is possibly killed, we'll talk about that next. Yeah. Who's gonna rescue Crystal? Who even knows Crystal exists? You know so also with the cipher written all around rachel in susan duncan's mysterious home we know several things will likely be important moving forward kendall malone's chimera dna of course sarah and helena's fertility kira's healing powers and if he survives mark's ability to overcome the glitch in his system in some likelihood because chimeraism is most commonly found in twins sarah and helena have possibly dual dna as well and that would be an incredibly valuable thing for the neolutionist to have since they don't have kendall's dna at the moment either right it's Gene splicing to create newer, better variations is a very common scientific practice in a lot of mouse models and other models as well. Oh, and here's a random thought before we jump into the next topic. Do we think John Sadler, S's husband, had something to do with all of this, the experiments and the clones? Because I totally think so, and that's why Kendall had to kill him, but S doesn't know that. And that is just something I was thinking about last night that I thought, wow, that would be really cool
2: and anyway, thought about that.
1: Yeah. Okay. What the frack was the with that worm thing that Dr. Nealon tried to infect Delphine with? Was it a mind control sort of alien or ghoul-like parasite? What was the deal?
2: Boy, I didn't think of a ghoul parasite or uh, it clearly could be the, the thing that's carrying the sickness or infecting everyone else it, or or a, a way of doing that. But boy, that 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 was just a creepy scene.
1: Yeah, I all I could think of was mind control, X-files sort of stuff, yeah. you know. It just Yeah, it was definitely Stargate, X-Files, those kinds of worms that control you. And you know, there was that X-Files episode. One of the first ones I ever saw, they were up in the the Arctic or up in the North Pole. And those earworms crawled in and took over the person's mind and made them do crazy homicidal things. That's what it felt like this was trying to be. So I was like, what is that? And then they didn't explain it or anything. And I was like, whoa, what is going on? Yeah. Now, despite the seeming victory for the Sesterhood in this episode, it wasn't without tragedy. We are, of course, talking about the death of Delphine at the hands of someone she seemed to clearly know or in the very least recognize. Was it another Lita clone? Perhaps a caster fella still alive? Or some whole new twist entirely? Maybe even worse, it was actually Shay. Now wouldn't that be the ultimate gut punch? Especially after Delphine's last words, what will happen to her? She would make for an easy person to mistrust all of next season for sure. So dad, who do you think murdered Delphine? And is murder the right word? Is she actually dead?
2: Yeah, boy, I I gotta believe she's dead. That was pretty, pretty straightforward center mass shot but who knows people you know as dan says don't 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 count them out until you see the body but yep. i i didn't even think about shay but boy does that make a great theory and, and ultimate she could be a super double double agent working for you know and on top of everything working for the um nihilists. yep but i initially i thought it was just another random caster but i'm i'm now going with shay i think that's a great theory
1: yeah i definitely think it's shay it so has to be shay she was right to suspect her and Delphine going to her and giving her the card I think that was like the final act that ultimately sealed her own death warrant from Topside or the Neolutionists. the question now is she actually dead Graham Mason when asked if she was really dead said I don't know did you actually see her die so I think they might be pulling a Stannis or a possible you know (laughs) uh you know comic book death they're never dead unless you see the dead body Dr. Nealon predicted she'd be dead before morning but did Shay actually kill her and I guess that remains to be seen Right. But that's where I'm I'm definitely thinking. I just wonder if they might revive her and mind control her like with the worm that like they tried to do. I just I I don't know. I just don't know. And that's what this show always does to us. It, It answers one question and opens 10 more. But finally, we're going to end the show as we always do, talking about Team Hendrix. This season, Team Hendrix has been the humor and heart of this otherwise serious and suspenseful series. And of course, this finale's more human aspects were centered around the Team Hendrix story arc. We got total fan service in the return of Jesse, Helena's boyfriend from the bar, and the reunion of Kira and Sarah in the middle of nowhere, Iceland. There was my favorite scene of the episode, the Thanksgiving Day celebration dinner at Bubbles, and there was also an almost touching scene with Rudy and Helena as he lay dying in Allison's garage. So, Dad, what were your favorite Team Hendrix moments from the finale?
2: Well, Team Hendrix all wrapped up in a cute sitcom bow was, was really something to see. She wins the election, cooks a dinner, and all is well at Bubbles' store. I, that that was really sweet. I love the dinner, as you said before. While technically not as complicated as the dance party, it was really great. As for Helena and Rudy's fight scene, I thought that was excellent. I You know, her sticking that uh, big screwdriver through his arm was just unbelievable. And then she lay there on the floor. With the, of the garage with him. And it was really touching watching him as, as his life slowly slipped away. Especially if you remember that right below them is a body buried by Donnie yep. before. So it's just kind of eerily creepy and everything that Helena has there. And I also like the fact that Helena was, you know, in the midst of jumping on on her Jesse when she got the call from her sisterhood as, and said, oh my gosh, family comes first. And yep. that, that was kind of cool. So
1: Yeah, I think my favorite line of the entire team Hendrix was Helena's I have science baby inside me but you are my first and Jesse's gosh sweetheart you had me at soap making yeah (laughs) I love that they are giving Helena a love story this is really her first foray into love with a partner we know she found love in her sister earlier but this is a sweet first love story for her and it's crazy because you know all if she had lived a normal life she would have had this in a, a much earlier age but because of her screwed up life and everything it's sweet that they're giving her a first love yeah I also liked that I love Donnie saying to her when he was about to pour wine, oh yeah, sorry, monster. Only Donnie could get away with calling Helena a monster and have us think it's sweet. Of course, you know, that celebration scene we've talked about was absolutely the best part of it. But all these little bits that led up to it were so great. And that's why we love this Team Hendrix story arc. It seems so foreign and so outside the rest of the story going on this season. But it makes perfect sense when you look at it from the end of the season, looking back, that this was the heart and the, the humanity of this story and it's what makes this so great. The final point I wanted to make before we close up was with Ferdinand on their side and a new enemy with freaky deaky mission operatives, we're heading into the most sci-fi season of this series yet, which is crazy. That eye of Rachel's, that worm, we still don't know what it was. There are way more questions and kooky answers awaiting for us in season four. that That's what I'm really excited about. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have for Orphan Black this season. Join us again next season when we return next spring for season four. Thanks again. Dad for joining me all season. It's been fun. Can't yep. wait for next season. Yep. We'll talk to you next year when Orphan Black returns. Hopefully, Dan will be caught up by then, so we can all talk about it at that point. Now it's time to jump in with the Star Wars Rebels premiere.
0: Yeah, let's get the main event of our podcast started. Come and talk about the Star Wars Rebels season premiere. That has me be very excited for episode seven. We've got all the other Star Wars content coming out, including season two of this show. Get titled The Siege of Waffle. <laughs> After an absence while fighting with the rebel fleet, the
1: rebel crew returns to Lothal to save a defecting imperial officer, only to be confronted by Darth
0: Vader. Yeah, right off the back, that Nico, and I think you could tell it's new. The show has reached a much bigger scale. The rebels are kind of now working with a larger rebel alliance. They're in space battles. There's kind of a military thing going on. There's more people involved getting the decision making instead of the rebels just flying by the seat of their pants. But again, with this increased support, things are becoming a little more complicated for the team. And it seems like this season may have an Empire Strikes back feel where things keep constantly going wrong for our heroes could maybe at one point the light speed and the ghost will start breaking down and they'll have ship problems like the Millennium Falcon had in the strikes back yeah that makes a lot of sense Dan and it makes it a lot of
1: sense from a storytelling perspective as well we had a lot of success in season one and our, our rebel squad had a lot of stuff go their way season two I think like you said is gonna have a little darker feel we have a much bigger bad we heard the emperor this episode we didn't actually see him but so now we have vader and the emperor and we're going to have a second inquisitor sent to hunt them down so this is definitely going to be a bigger and badder season and it's it's going to be good i think things will be going wrong things will take it up to that next level of you know what what could go wrong can go wrong and but i think we'll also see a lot of growth and character development this season because of the adversity that they're going to face they sure they faced a lot of adversity in the first season but i think when things start going wrong and and things do not work out in our heroes favor as frequently as they did in season one we'll see a lot of their character and their their spirit tested and going up against Vader is is going to be a very difficult thing especially for Ahsoka now that she knows that Anakin yeah. is Vader and so and and now that Vader knows she's alive it's it's going to be a lot harder for her to hide in the galaxy the galaxy just became a lot smaller for her so yeah absolutely it's going to be a great big season but it's going to be dark as well
0: yeah but I gotta think of this. The darkness it's going to make the characters closer oh i agree Get bond tighter and i think Kassoka is going to start meshing and bonding with the team get it away at some points in some instances and i don't think this is constantly going to be the case but i think ahsoka and kanan are both kind of going to act as mentors gov sort to gezra yeah
1: much like yoda would often come in and help with some of the padawans and still continue to give instruction to the padawans or give advice to the padawans even though they were assigned to a a specific master i think ahsoka will in a lot of times tag team with kanan uh, on some of the the training of ezra and i think that that's important because when there were ten thousand jedi you always had people to fall back on and to you could always go to your master and ask for advice or you could go to the Jedi council and ask for advice on a topic that was disturbing you or something that was bothering you in the force, whether it was with your Padawan or not. And there was always a support system that is gone now, you know. So now that Kanan has another Jedi or at least another trained Padawan to discuss things with, because neither of them really went through the trials. So, right. can they really call themselves Jedi? But, you know, they're what's left of the Jedi in this sense. So they're trying to hold on to those fractured and destroyed traditions and they don't have the the support and everything so now that kanan does have someone like him to fall back on or to bounce ideas off of it'll be really great for us to see that and to see some of this and understand what's going on and, and how difficult this time period in the jedi's history really was it'll be it'll be fun to see that because yeah. that's something we haven't really ever seen we've they've alluded to it in the original trilogy okay. and in some of the extended material but they never really dealt with it and that will be interesting to see
0: right well, it's so good. I didn't say a whole lot in this episode, but they did do a great job with the facial reactions showing that she kind of, she gets Ezra. Mm-hmm. I think she sees a lot of herself what we saw in Clone Wars get Ezra. And so I think that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I agree. But again, don't count out Hera either. Hera can make a very good mentor of sorts as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. Just because she's not recognized as Force-sensitive, I think her, her advanced skill as a pilot probably means that she's somewhat Force-sensitive, even if not to the Jedi level.
0: Right. I Exactly.
1: You know, but even though she's not recognized as force sensitive, I think she's a great moral compass, and that's always a good thing for a Jedi to have. And I think she's also Kanan's moral compass as well. So Kanan wanted to cut and run in this episode. He wanted to not be, you know, as as you you were gonna say, he wanted to go beyond their Robin Hood, or he felt that they had gone beyond their Robin Hood style missions, and he want he didn't want to be a part of this. He didn't want to fight a war. But I think we saw Ezra. Made the argument, but it was Hera sort of speaking through Ezra, or or guiding Ezra to come to that decision. Right. And I think that that was really kind of cool. And I think it shows that she is she is as we said last year, and they kind of alluded to in this episode. She's the mom of this this team, yeah. and she's that moral compass that kind of guides the whole family and tells them, you know, when when they're being a bunch of asses, and when that you know right. when they need to do something because it's the right thing. So I, I think yeah, she's definitely a an important mentor, despite not being a Jedi.
0: Right, exactly. And again, there's going to be some conflict with her getting Kaden this year over tactics. Mm-hmm. Kaden really wants to lay low, and really, honestly, the guy's a little scared. And, and again, I don't blame him. He's lost so much. He doesn't want to lose more. Yeah. So I get where it's going, and they're really taking it kind of like a male Reynolds structure for you Firefly fans, where, you know, he's lost so much. It's just like, I don't want to go through this again. I don't want to see people I respect lose themselves, get another war. Yeah. Okay, the other thing is, Kaden, he's, he's someone that doesn't like, taking orders, he's always kind of skeptical of it. Mm-hmm. And if you read the Star Wars A New Dawn book, which is basically how the Rebels minus Ezra kind of come together, even at a very young age, because a Padawan, Kanan had a tendency to question things. He just thought something fishy was going on. And again, he was maybe not fully understanding the Force and what it was telling him. But he was someone who saw right away something wasn't right with the, the Republic at the time. And he even kind of sensed that the whole message to the Jedi, which brought them back to Coruscant, got them all Killed was that what it was cracked up to be? So because of that, he's always kind of been skeptical of authority because the authority he believed it to turn out to be what he thought it was.
1: But wasn't that one of the reasons that his master originally chose him was that she yes. she enjoyed that or or liked his his different way of thinking? I, I think that 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 was what it talked about. Yes. Yeah, I haven't but, read that that book yet, but I I remember reading a, a synopsis or something about it and and them talking about something like that.
0: But she did get the chance to shape it. Okay. She died before she got the chance right to to show him how to use it to its full potential yeah so he's just kind of trying to figure it out at this point
1: yeah you know you mentioned that this season might have a very firefly feel and i I think you might be right and i think that kanan will have that malcolm reynolds sort of wanting to stick it to the empire but not fight a war and in firefly malcolm says to anara if i'm fighting a war you'll know i'm fighting a war i feel like he will eventually have to get to that point but he'll have to have his shepherd book moment where he. He Has to believe in it you know as Shepard says uh, book says to Mal in Serenity I don't care what you believe In I just want you to believe in Something and ultimately Malcolm in that Becomes or he gets to the point where He aims to misbehave and he wants to Stick it to the he wants to stick it to the, The Federation and I think at this point Kanan's going to have a similar Revelation at some point in season two Where he his want to do the right thing Will eventually overcome this fear of the Sith and his fear of Vader. And he will get to the point where he wants to or has to do what is right and do the mission and, and go up against and and, and become a, a full member of the Rebel Alliance.
0: Because I think his, his family, as of the Rebels, have to be put in serious danger to get him to do that. Yes. Can I think losing them, the risk of that will make him fight. Yes. I, and I think what we may see is we may see an episode where they're either all captured because they're put in danger and maybe Ahsoka and Kanan can have to team up to save them or something.
1: Well, we saw that it was when he lost the fear of losing. Using Ezra in season one was when he came to his full potential yes. as a master in that season. So I think when he can conquer his fear of Vader and fear of the Sith will be when he makes that move. And I don't know what it'll be, but I think you're right. It'll be something where his fear prevents him from doing something and it puts his team in jeopardy. In, in yeah. And then he ultimately is able to overcome his fear and become that next step or, or take that next step as a master to be be, you know the best Jedi he can be and I think that's going to be an interesting thing
0: okay this is also a character who's different than Obi-Wan as a mentor in a sense because this guy he hasn't embraced death he's afraid of it because mm-hmm. they they talked a little bit wasn't it after Town got burnt down saying talking about like you know you've got to be willing to sacrifice yourself for this cause to put your life on the line something around those lines yeah something around those lines and, 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 and um, basically Caden hasn't reached that point yet he's not at peace to the point where he can pull an Obi I guy just let Vader strike him down, right? To teach a lesson, that could be his story about trying to get to that point, trying to get to that point where he's willing to sacrifice himself and may sacrifice himself because we've talked, where we think he may die at some points for the Rebel Alliance to save the galaxy, yes. But then again, with Ahsoka on the show, I feel like she's a character that may end up doing that as well. So I don't know, it's it, it's it could be interesting to see where it goes. I don't
1: necessarily think it has to be limited to only one of them, okay, because neither of them make it to episode four that
0: we know of
1: right and that's a huge huge change if they all of a sudden are brought into episode four and they just disappear into the background of that story that would be that would be weird or it would be you know that would be a huge change in the whole mythos, and I'm not I'm not sure that they want to go there. I do think that they may show up in Rogue One. I do think that they yeah. could show up in Rogue One, even if it's just mentioned that they're the ones that the plans are handed off to that ultimately get it to Princess Leia. Where... Right,
0: and then there's the Obi Wan movie too. Yes, with the that they could be in. Yes, exactly.
1: So there, I really do hope that we see these guys in live action. This was such an amazing and successful first season and second season looks to be just as good if not better so yeah, I think that after this episode. yeah they've definitely earned a place in the live action world I think we saw the clones in the original movie even if they were not the same clones that we saw in the Clone Wars but we've at least seen some of the clones in the movies and they actually came before the Clone Wars TV show so I think it's time that the rebels from Star Wars Rebels make it into some of the anthology films
0: and we even said that Freddie shooter could play canin oh for sure yeah. yeah he's
1: the right age and definitely and they made Kanan in the cartoon version look a lot like freddy prince so i think that's in the cards i think it absolutely is and that would be awesome that would be awesome
0: because he is such a geek for star wars anyway yeah that it would be awesome yeah
1: and his beautiful wife sarah just released this week a flashback i think it was a throwback thursday sort of thing to when they were dating or first married she cosplayed as leia and she uh, had the buns and everything and and she it just shows that they're they're a star wars couple because she was big on star wars as well and i can't wait to see her come later this season and see exactly what they do for her character
0: yeah buffy on star wars that's kind of awesome <laughs> yeah it yeah. could be cool yeah and again talking about dark Vader. and what's going to happen to these characters at the hand of him wow was this the villain that we loved as kids returned yes. to his former glory yep. I mean this was the greatest movie villain of all time and AFI has said that just at, at his absolute best he was one step ahead of the rebels the whole time he looked invincible when they battled him and even Hester said how can we kill this guy because he keep surviving yep. so that, that made him very scary about a second really played up Caden's fear very well I mean this the Inquisitor they held their own against him pretty well Vader Kicked their butts. And they really got lucky in battling him. So it was just, it was, Fader was perfect in this. Yes. And I was a little nervous though, James Earl Jones. David Prouse who was Vader in the costume, because the movies did the voice here, right? I thought it was actually James Earl Jones that did the voice.
1: Was it James Earl Jones? I'm not 100% on that, but okay. I did think they got him to do.
0: Because I remember Nicky say, who does the Thrones cast with us, and the Hella now Rebel podcast with us, said that it was David Prowse.
1: No, no, it is definitely James Earl Jones. It I just James looked it up. Like,
0: yeah, well, then that was awesome. Man. it was perfect. Yep. got him going after the Rebels and get a lone ship by himself. good taking down the whole fleet. That was just that was nuts. Just, I mean, it was great. It was just data. Dead on perfect.
1: Yeah, it was. It was it was exactly what I was expecting for the introduction of Vader to this series. It was perfect in every way. It absolutely hit all the highlights that I was hoping for. It showed him we had a lightsaber battle between Kanan, Ezra, and Vader. I'm still waiting for the Ahsoka and Vader yeah. battle that we know is coming, and but this this was a great, great first introduction. I mean I know we got in the in the last scene we got the introduction of Vader, but this was his true introduction. Introduction to the Rebels show, oh, yeah. and it was it was perfect, and I did enjoy and love him taking on an entire fleet in just a tie interceptor. Yes.
0: Well, and even the whole thing with burning Tarkin, Tom. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just—you—you you could tell that this is a bad dude. Yep. You know, that was classic Vader, where he—he he has no mercy.
1: Well, I'm actually surprised that he even took prisoners and just didn't burn them all to, to death. You know. Yeah. I—I I really am surprised by that. But maybe there's going to be a—maybe there was a future plan he was having yeah. with capturing those people in case this didn't. Well, you he
0: did—he did say that, that that was their weakness. That caring for people was their weakness. That's true. So that's he true. had hostages. Yep. So that—that—that's going to be interesting. To see where you know he he's got a he's got a long-term plan to take these guys out i think good so it's going to be very there's gonna be a lot of twisted turns and he was always a step ahead of them throughout the entire episode like even when they thought they had the drop on vader he had another backup plan to get them yep so we're gonna see that a lot i'm interested to see who this new inquisitor is i was very surprised they kept that under wraps at the end of the episode yeah yeah exactly so it's like it was just gonna be someone we know
1: i think it's going to be important for getting us hyped for the second season when it returns in the fall, because there is going to be such a long yeah. time in between episodes, I'm wondering if this could potentially be the Sarah Michelle Geller character.
0: Oh, that would be nuts!
1: I don't know, because we—I don't know what her character is supposed to be. I don't remember seeing any hints or any leaks about what it was supposed to be. But that would be really cool because it's her going up against Freddie Prince Jr., and that would be just awesome.
0: Well, cool. there's Ventress is still running around out there too.
1: I don't think they would have recast Ventress.
0: No, I was just—I was just saying. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. possibility no yeah
1: do we think that ventrance would be on the sith side or would she have because she kind of flip-flopped in the clone wars yeah. series to because
0: she she respected ahsoka
1: well she also sort of left the apprenticeship of dooku yeah that's true or dooku rather cut her out you know and she was kind of abandoned and you're right she did she did respect ahsoka not really friendly or anything of that nature they still you know yeah battle each other but they were at least allies in that one episode before Ahsoka left when she was still being pursued as the murderer that she was framed to be. So yeah. that was definitely a good good uh, character development and character uh, study for ah- Ahsoka and for Ventress. So I think absolutely she would be a wild card in this series as well, and that would be fun to see.
0: The other big question I, I have here, are we going to see Vader take these characters out? I mean, I feel like there's going to be some sort of noble sacrifice because I think fans of the show would be ticked off. give their the Rebels' role, did it have some big, monumental effect on the original trilogy but i mean do you think vader's gonna really get these characters because the think my period is vader always wins
1: i do believe vader will kill at least one of the rebels and whether that's ahsoka or whether it's kanan i do believe he will kill one of the rebels at least and okay. that that is definitely what i do see happening it could be even one of the other rebels right Zeb or i really don't know about whether it would be hair out right it, it could not
0: like Scott Sweden's writing this show yeah
1: it could potentially be anyone yeah in the in the rebel group, but I, I I think Ahsoka and Kanan are right not going to survive the series.
0: I see Kanan sacrificing himself, though. Yes. Because that's what it seems to be building to.
1: I think it will be essentially a sacrifice when Ezra's ready to become a knight, Yep, or is close to being ready to be a knight.
0: Well, that's, that's Hero's Journey and that's Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. So they're kind of one of the same. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, Joseph Campbell, which is kind of the inspiration for Star Wars.
1: Well, Campbell was one of George Lucas's favorite professors at USC, so right. absolutely Okay. Hey.
0: So yeah, that was the the big effect he had on that. But yeah, these characters getting ones yeah fair game for Vader. Cause I was very surprised Vader didn't do the death choke to somebody in this episode. Cause I thought that one guy who screwed up cool got him, who got Vader trap come trapped in the tractor beam. Cause I thought he was gonna get choked to death.
1: I almost feel like it was a little bit of a thing that it was a joke that we kept expecting it and it didn't happen. Okay. I do think it will come. Yeah. I don't know if he's I don't know how on the leash Vader is at this point and whether a lot of that stuff is. T- Tolerated yet, because by the time we get to episode four, Vader has increased his own personal power within the Empire even more than what we, he initially had. So we see that he he's tempted and tries to tempt Luke to join him to defeat the Emperor.
0: he well, kind of even did that with Ezra a little bit of this episode. I
1: don't think he he I don't think he saw Ezra as a okay. possible, but I do think he might be thinking about it with Ahsoka if he can turn Ahsoka to himself. Oh yeah, that if if he believes that he can use the Anakin aspects or the Anakin relationship with Ahsoka to his advantage that he could turn her and he could become the Sith master and overtake the Emperor and be the new Emperor. So I think this might be the first idea of it and then ultimately when Luke comes around, that's when he really thinks it's possible.
0: So with Ahsoka, we could see the same thing happen with Luke where she's not going to fight him, but he lets her die. Yes. Ooh.
1: I think I don't think it'll be the Emperor that kills her though. I think he will kill her himself yeah. When she refuses, much like the battle that Luke and Vader later have when he takes Luke's lightsaber on hand. Yeah. I think in this one he'll strike down Ahsoka.
0: Yeah, gotta get that may cause Kim to do the death grip. Maybe we won't see him kill anybody until after that.
1: I don't think he'll necessarily kill just willy nilly, but he will still kill in screw up. Well, no, I think it'll be more like he will kill in the pursuit of the rebels. He'll kill in necessary situations. Someone shoots a blaster at him, he'll shoot it yeah. right. You know, he'll deflect. It back and kill him. We saw that almost happen with Sabine right. in this episode, but she was quick enough to take a not direct hit, or uh her Mandalorian armor was able yep. to, to stop it enough not to kill her, just knock her out.
0: Yeah, which was a intense moment. Oh yeah. I knew she was a dad I was like, whoa, come
1: yeah. on. Oh well they showed it unfortunately, they showed that in the previews, so I knew it was okay, coming, but they cut away right at the last second, so it made it look like they potentially could kill her to kind of hype it. But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't th- I, th- I think it's it. too early. Yes. It's too early right now. We we're gonna think about about it all season, but I think it's going to be a mid-season or a, a season finale when we f- see the first rebel death.
0: Yes, yeah, that that battle with Ahsoka might not end well. just say it, no. Uh, okay, again, we're going to go more into Ahsoka right now with like her vision that she had, mm-hmm. and from what I gather, this is what I'm thinking. I think she sensed that Anakin is Dark Vader, but she doesn't know the circumstances of events that led him to becoming that. Oh, I de- definitely agree with that because she was shocked. She was absolutely shocked that this happened. I think she assumed Anakin died. Yeah, I think it broke her heart. Yeah. Yes. Because, I mean, she just never believed he, he would go this far. Right. And again, it's something that's really hasn't been explored in the Star Wars universe. What happens when your master turns into Dark Souls? We haven't really gotten a lot of that. Right. So it, it's going to be intriguing to see where it goes and how much you find out. And I'm curious if she may even seek out Obi-Wan to try to figure out what's going on. Because they did name drop him.
1: Right. I do believe that there was mention that he would make a visual appearance, a, well, a holographic appearance again, like he did a voice appearance last season. Yeah. So I do believe there is talk of that. I don't remember exactly. There's so much misinformation and also a little bit of leaks information coming out that I can't keep it all straight. <laughs> but I do think I remember there was going to be some Obi-Wan in this season. But I don't think he'll appear in person. Like, we won't actually see the character, but we might see a hologram of him.
0: Kind of like or kind of like what they did with Yoda, where he was communicating with the rebels. But they didn't really... They, he communicated through the Force. Right. But they assumed he was dead when he was communicating with them. Right. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. got going to want answers, though. Mm-hmm. Just the way she is. Unless, I mean, she's she's calmed down since then. But when something wasn't right, I mean, back on Cold Wars, she tried to figure it out. Yep. So that's where it's going to go. And again, she kept some information from, from the Rebels about all this. Do you think that's going to cause problems, especially with Kaden I mean, is he going to get mad because she kept the secret?
1: Yeah, it's not going to be a good thing. It's definitely, but we can understand why she did. Until she understands it and until she yeah. can meditate on it in the Force and get an idea, she doesn't want to say, my former master is the creator. Right.
0: Vader. You know? right. Uh, Especially if Anakin killed his his master. Right. That's the other thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You you don't want to... Nobody wants to go in with only a little bit of the information. They don't want to... You know, it'll be bad for everybody. So I think her keeping it from them is the smart play, but it's also going to backfire where they may not trust her as much as they do for a little bit because she will have kept this very important item from them. But at the in the end I think they will ultimately come to the realization of why she did it and why she needed to do it until she understood it better.
0: Right, and I think Ezra is gonna be that bridge. Yeah to get them to kind of understand where each other are coming from.
1: I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. He's gonna he's ultimately going to be the bridge all, for all of the series where it's going to, he's going to be the bridge between the non force sensitive and the force sensitive characters. He's going to be the bridge between the audience and the rebel, you know, he's our, oh, our way oh, into the, the rebel
0: alliance. And it even in evil. his name, yep, that's our bridger. Yep. So, exactly. it's perfect. so, so yeah,
1: yeah, he's going to bridge the gap when there's a, a rift between Ahsoka and Kanan after Kanan fig- figures out that Ahsoka has been hiding information from him or hiding information from all of them. So yeah, I definitely think he is the bridging character.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I can sure to see where this goes. Um, I also have to mention real quickly, I love the Lando cameo. <laughs> I love that they get Billy D to come back and do stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I Billy Dee's the be best. Great character. So that, that, that was fun. I like the relationship he has with the, the Rebels. It's fun. Mm-hmm. And, and Hera especially. It's good stuff. Yeah. So I I hope they keep that going. I love seeing characters from the original trilogy on this show. They are an absolute success. Coming I mean, could where we see Vader and Grand Moth Tarkin and kind of the, you know, C-3PO and R2-D2. All, all great stuff. Okay, I hope we run into the droids again, please. Yeah.
1: Well it's gonna involve we have to see Bale again. So it's gonna yes. it's gonna happen. Organa is so crucial to the starting of the Rebel Alliance, and we know that. And I think if Ahsoka goes seeking Obi-Wan or Yoda,
0: she's gonna go to him and say what the heck's going on, where are they?
1: Bale will be the will be the go between. So we will see him, and if we see Bale, we're gonna see the droids. It's it, they're so okay. intertwined and linked that, that it's absolutely gonna happen.
0: Okay, again, it is very possible that some of this stuff may connect. Back to that second anthology film, or maybe R- R- Rogue One. I don't know.
1: I think actually Rogue One is is going to have a lot of stuff about this. But since we'll only be through two seasons of Rebels, and I think Rebels is has a plan for four or five seasons. I think it might be almost too early for them to get to that point in anthology, because uh, or in Rogue One, because Rogue One is essentially going to be the end of where Rebels gets to. Yeah. So it could be very spoilerish if they do actually show up in Rogue One. Because we won't have gotten there for the Rebels TV show yet, so I don't know how they're gonna handle that.
0: So maybe it'll be the second film.
1: I I think so. When we get to the Obi Wan and the Bounty Hunters, I think that's a very good chance of when we might see some of the Rebel.
0: God, I wouldn't put it past them if they if they count that movie as like a series finale kind of thing. Uh I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna keep everything.
1: I think the series will have its own finale. I think it'll have its own okay. wrap up, and then maybe even an animated film to really send it off. And then you know the it'll feed into whatever the next anthology film at that time is.
0: Because this show is going to explode. I think it already has. It, it already has, but it's going to explode even more. Especially when that movie comes out. Oh yeah. When, when episode seven comes out, oh my gosh.
1: When episode seven comes out, everything Star Wars is going to get that much more. You know, there. I think the book sales before the movie are going to be pretty much just the hardcores like us that are yeah. thinking about reading those. And, and But as soon well, as no, that movie comes out, on, yeah. as soon as that movie comes out, everything's going to explode to exponentially you know everything's just gonna fly off the shelves everything is going to get amped up because i i do think seven is going to be huge i think it's going to be bigger than phantom menace was for oh yeah i guarantee you the pre the pre lead up to it and phantom menace was huge unfortunately it wasn't very good but it was huge you know if you ever saw fanboys that is how a lot of us felt like you know almost to the point where we wanted to we to we wanted to go in and and sneak into Skywalker Ranch and steal the print and everything because it, it was it was so huge. We had to see it and we had to see it opening night, you know, so.
0: But this is a continuation. Yeah. This is picking up with characters we loved. Yep. And, it, it, we're, and for sure, we're very pleased with. Mm-hmm. So going back to the things we love about Star Wars, that's going to make the hype even greater. Yeah, absolutely. And I, this show is a brilliant way to get people hyped for that.
1: Well, also, I think JJ is the perfect director to do it. I think he's, he's earned our... He has earned our... Faith, and yes. I think he will reward that faith. And I'm I'm super excited. I really, you know, it's 180 something days until that episode comes out, and I am seriously almost. I, I haven't put a countdown clock yet, but when we hit 200, I definitely made mention of it on Facebook.
0: Yeah, it, it's yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I, I'm so excited. Every episode of Star Wars Rebels, I watch, my brain goes bananas with ideas for episode seven. And oh yeah, where I want to see, see things go. So they've got me. I'm hyped. Yeah, yeah. I. To be
1: honest, I'm super excited about Seven, but I almost don't know which one I'm more excited about for Rogue One or Seven. I mean, Seven for sure right now, because it's going to be the one that we see and kicks all of this off. And I I really want to see where they take the story and where they've taken all our favorite characters, like you said. And I think that's going to be really fun to see. But the stealing of the Death Star plans is one of the things that kicked off A New Hope. And that is exactly where we jump in. So the idea of... Of leading up to that really has me excited as well. So I really... You well, know, and
0: A New Hope is your favorite.
1: A New Hope is my favorite. So, I, I mean, right there. I, everybody knows that Empire Strikes Back is a better film and it's the best written film in the entire series. But it's a Godfather and Godfather Part 2 sort of conundrum yep. for me because Godfather Part 2 is a better movie but without The Godfather, it, it's it's not as good of a film. I think Empire is the same way. Without A New Hope, Empire is not as amazing as it is. A New Hope...
0: Because the strength of that movie comes off of character establishment.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that is exactly what A New Hope is. Also, I am a big origin story fan and Luke's origin story is essentially A New Hope. Yeah. So that is another reason why it is my favorite. So the lead up to A New Hope is going to be something I'm really excited to see. So I am really, I'm just stoked about Star Wars again and that's a great thing.
0: Well, and I think episode seven is going to be almost a mixture of an origin story and Empire.
1: Yes, it's going to be the next generation's
0: origin story yes but it's going to build off the things we know before yep and so, that's why it's
1: going to be an amazing film. I think it's yeah. just going to absolutely knock our socks off.
0: Get again, I think I think Empire Strikes Back is the best directed mm-hmm. Star Wars film. Irvin Kershaw did an excellent job with that film. Yes, He absolutely. really got characters. He really took time for the characters. J.J. Okay, Abrams is very good at that as well. Okay, again, that comes from him working at TV first. TV shows are so much about character. Yep. Okay, getting that right. And so bringing this to Star Wars is going to be great. Okay, again, what do you do with Star Trek? He wasn't even a fan of Star Trek. Yep. And he made that awesome and really took TV techniques, kind of blew them up to a movie scale and made something really great. And for him doing that with Star Wars, I'm excited. I am excited. Got to see him work with actors that I really enjoy. Got to have been such a big part of my life growing up. It's going to be great. Yep. Because again, Mark Hamill, the two biggest things I grew up on is Batman and Star Wars. Mark Hamill has been a part of both of it. Yep. Both of those things. Because then Harrison Ford, well, there's an upset about him. So yeah, it's just, this is like a dream come true for me. Again, I've wanted to see this movie probably since after I first saw Yep. the Jedi. Yep. Okay, I started read those books which unfortunately don't apply anymore but maybe that's not too bad because it gets kind of weird later on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah after the Yuzong Vong come in that, that whole series went like all over the place. So yeah it, getting rid of some of that extended universe is not a bad idea. I'm, yeah. I'm sad that a lot of it got scrapped because there were really good stories. Everything Timothy Zahn ever did for the Star Wars yeah. was absolutely excellent. I am a l- little bit surprised that they didn't incorporate any of his stuff into what we've seen so far far of episode seven, but maybe that's I still it's gonna possible. Have a feel. I, I think you're right. I think that, that because he he was all about Thrawn and the Grand Admiral Thrawn and his running of the remnants of the Empire and we're going to see a remnants of the Empire or a new Empire that they're going up against. So I do think some of those aspects will be brought into it and that's what excites me as well because I absolutely love Timothy Zahn's writing for Star Wars and I'm I'm hoping some of those themes and some of those ideas are translated into jj's movie
0: but you also have to remember this movie takes place several years after the the timothy Zod stuff took place
1: right but i think it's going to have the same some of the same ideas and and maybe it's the empire i think it's going to be a different story but same
0: feel and i think you're
1: absolutely right about that
0: could I get I still wish they could make those books canon. <laughs> I think they could fit
1: some of them. Some of them still could. They'd have to go through and really dig
0: out right, which is why they did do it because it's the pain of the butt.
1: Yeah, well, it's a lot easier and a lot less of a A lot easier to do if they just disavow all of it.
0: like Yep. And
1: then they also don't hurt any of their former artists and writers. They don't hurt their feelings by oh well, you're no longer part of it, but this guy is, you know. And so I think disavowing all of it and making it just the official release movies and tv series and now anything that they release from this point forward that makes it a lot easier and a lot less legally complex
0: okay i agree yep yeah. all right well i think it's about time to move on the closing great star wars talk well, i'm glad we gave you guys this uh surprise little unexpected treat some of our best stuff comes from talking star wars so i'm glad we got to get some of that to you kind of end the season on that and uh very much so looking forward to the show coming back get us talking about it, i think in the fall so it'll get good stuff yeah, get yeah, our, our Star Wars hype will begin big time beginning of the fall because it will be counted down to episode seven, which we will also discuss here on ATA.
1: Yeah, and ultimately this week's episode ends our coverage for this season of TV and heads into our much-needed hiatus for the summer. Now, Dan and Michael will return in a few weeks to cover a few summer shows, including the final season of Falling Skies and a big one-shot episode that will cover the entirety of the six episodes of Continuum from this summer as well to cover th- that final season as well. And we'll also have some news with Nico items and our famous Comic Con Comic Con episode later this summer.
0: Yeah, and also in July we're going to be covering Daredevil, Get Ant Man on the Marvel Verse podcast. That is correct. Guys, we're doing that as well.
1: Yeah, so make sure you join Michael and Dan for those ATA episodes about Falling Skies and Continuum, and then join Dan and Nikki for the Marvel Verse this summer as well, as they cover the Daredevil, as he just said. And then join us in the fall when we return for the Fall 2015 TV season when all of our favorite shows get come back and kick off and everything like that.
0: Okay, we're throwing in some new ones too. Yes.
1: Also remember that our entire back catalog is available if you're just getting caught up on any of the shows we cover. Go back and catch Dan and my thoughts on those episodes. But for even more reviews and information on all our favorite shows, check out the blogs available on our website at acrosstheairwaves.com. I'll roll that pre-recorded closing.
0: Get in our Across the Airwaves website. You can check out our other podcast shows, including the DC Nation podcast, located at its own website, dcnation.acrosstheairwaves.com. Get in the iTunes store, which reviews the TV shows Gotham, The Flash, Garo and Constantine. And if you want reviews on Marvel Comics related TV shows such as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Gage and Carter, and the Netflix shows premiering in April, check out the podcast hosted by Gandy Mabacht, Nikki Amy, and myself known as Helicarrier, the S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast located at helicarrierpodcast.com Get in the iTunes store. In addition to these programs, check out ThronesCast. Our podcast hosted by Nico, Nikki, and myself dedicated to reviewing episodes of HBO's Game of Thrones which is available at the website thronescast.acrossairways com Or on iTunes. You can send us your thoughts Got each Game of Thrones episode by emailing us at Thronescast.gmail.com, tweeting us at Thronescast. Again, that's at Thronescast. Leaving us a voicemail at 773-809-3363. Again, that's 773-809-3363. Or by posting on our Facebook page, located at facebookcom Thronescast. Also, you can listen to across the airways, the DC Nation podcast, Thronescast, a Game of Thrones podcast. Get a helicarrier the Shield podcast. Got the Mix Internet Radio. Station. Code by Jack Stifle. Stitcher Radio, or if you use Apple devices, download the Podcast Box app. Okay, if you're on a Windows or Android device, you can download our apps from the Amazon Marketplace. Okay, the Windows Marketplace has a regular Windows Phone app. As for how you can contact us to give your own insight on the TV shows we review, provide suggestions on how we can improve your podcast listening experience, or just to say you like what we're doing, email us at Across AcrossTheAirwavesGmail.com. Comment on our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter at AcrossAirwaves. The there's no the on there, it's just AcrossAirwaves. Join our service on Google+. Plus. Go leave us a voicemail at 773 809 3363 Go get at 773 809 3363 I would also recommend that you check out our YouTube page, which features trailers for upcoming movies, got television events, such as Avengers Age of Ultron, Batman vs. Superman, and Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. Along with this content, the ATA YouTube channel is a great source for panels from past Comic-Cons, and will be a great source to find videos coming out of Comic-Con 2015 this summer. So once again, for our other ATA podcast hosts, WooKid, Michael J. Petty, and Nikki Abey. i Dan Schmidt.
1: And I'm Nico Reifsteg. to
0: okay, until our next episode, we'll catch you on the airwaves. See you guys. Have a great week, and uh, may the force be with you throughout the summer. See ya.